This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. G'day. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1228, which has no significance apart from the fact that it comes after 1227 and before 1229, as far as I know. The title today is Welcome to the Danverse, and our podcast title is I'm Tired of These Mother Flurkin Pods. <laughs> that was Mother Flurkin. Don't write in. Actually, who would it's write community it? radio. It's community radio. No, no, no. You have to. It's you know have to be careful. That's true. You have to be responsible. It is daytime as well. With, with with great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. I am Rob Jan and Megan McHugh, and here we are. And we've had uh, Captain Marvel come out in the cinemas last week, so it's pretty much going to be a Marvel lass show today. Yes. About the Captain. Oh, the other captain. I know. Can we call it's it Cap? It's confusing because sometimes I go to say like Cap or something, but I still, in my mind, I think that's still Captain America. So yeah. I don't know. What is the shortener for that? Co- Colonel in this case. Yeah, She's true. Colonel Marvel, true. Colonel Danvers. Although I actually don't think they make any mention of a rank in the film. Uh, not that I re- it's recall. It's on the... Um, on her plane at the end, it says... Ah, uh, does it say Colonel Danvers? I think it says Cat. No, it must say Colonel. Yeah. 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 I can't remember. But it's written on her. She's awfully young to be a Colonel, an Air Force Colonel. But It must say Captain. Anyway. I don't know. Now we're going to have to find out. I know. Let me look <laughs> for a screenshot. <laughs> she is a Colonel in the comic books. Um, yes. So uh, I thought I'd tell you a bit about the character of Captain Marvel to start with. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, now, this is a, the, the, the name of Captain Marvel has a long and somewhat checkered history. Yes. So there are at least seven hi- superheroes in the Marvel Universe in the comics that have had that, that title. Yes. Seven. So, uh, which coincidentally is almost the same amount of powers that Shazam has, <laughs> who is the other Captain Marvel. Yes, of course, and has a forthcoming film... Yeah. Uh, and I saw the trailer for that before this, and I hadn't seen the trailer for that yet. So I think there's a bit of confusion afoot for people who aren't as invested as we are. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because I don't know much about the Shazam, that version of things. Mm. But you know what? We don't have to. Not because it's DC and we don't care, but because that film is coming out later on. So yeah. we can talk about that then. Yeah, exactly. There I feel, go. yeah. Mm. I don't think there's going to be... It's not like it's also... It's not that similar. It's just... The naming is similar. Yeah. So, anyway. Says says the man who's getting AC solar power because he doesn't like DC. <laughs> I'm only kidding. That's just a line I thought of before then, and I thought that would work quite well. <laughs> you tagged that for on air. <laughs> yeah, distribution. <laughs> okay, now um, the original Captain Marvel, well, you can go back through time, but let's stick with the kind of Marvel strand of it at the moment. Uh, there has been there have been uh, backwards and forwards between DC Comics and Fawcett Comics, which is a kind of an earlier precursor. Um, they uh, had a character called Captain Marvel who was very close to being like Superman, except 
<laughs> he had red all over, basically, mm-hmm. and a lightning bolt on his um, his chest. Mm. So they stopped, Fawcett stopped publishing Captain Marvel in 1953. And then um, uh, in the 1960s, Marvel got the trademark Captain Marvel from them. So right. um, because, of course, they were doing Marvel comics and they thought it would be a good idea to have all that sort of wrapped up. So the first actual Marvel Captain Marvel comic uh, was printed in, um, oh, we're we going back to 1967. Ah. Yeah, and that's when they uh, had Stanley and Gene Colan doing it in Marvel Superheroes number 12, mm-hmm. uh, and that was Captain Marvel of the Cree Imperial Militia who came to Earth as an observer, and just as we're sort of developing space travel. Right. Mm. So I don't know, how, how spoilery should we get today? It's always a decision, isn't it? I know it? it is. I guess it's been, what, about a week and a half? Yeah. So... There's certain things that I don't. I, I'm not going to spoil. Yeah, I think it would be best. I think, I think, I think there'd probably be a lot of people who haven't gotten along to see it yet. Some of them out there in the studio. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's keep it keep it uh, trailer level spoilers. Yeah. So nothing that wouldn't be in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, actually, you even have to be careful with some of the comic book stuff. There is an element yeah. within this that um, uh, is the worst kept fan secret since they introduced. Buffy the Vampire the Slayer's Chosen One Scythe yep. in the spin-off Frey comics six months before it came into the television series. Yeah. So all of us uh, comic book geeks went, oh, my God, this, it's the Scythe. So there's something in this that's, um, that we all know about from the comic books. Okay. Every Captain okay. Marvel fan knows about. Anyway, um, and that's not really a spoiler, really, because no. if you've read the comics, you'll know. It you'll anyway. know already anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... It's, this is so wacky, the, um, the, the legal situation with it. Uh, so that they can keep their copyright, they have to, like, publish a Captain Marvel co- um, comic every two years as a, as a sort of, a, you know, one of those placeholder things, even if there's not a regular book. Yeah. It was um, uh, kind of rebooted by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they did is they placed Captain Marvel, who was a bloke. Yes, I knew he... His- Yes, he was at one stage male. Mm. Into uh, the negative zone, which is a kind of um, another dimension that um, people get imprisoned in. Okay. And he was he was kept there and he had to exchange his atoms with a young boy called Rick Jones by banging these wristbands together and that would allow what? them to swap <laughs> to swap bodies okay. and presences. Like Rick would go into the negative zone and, and Captain Marvel would come out into the real world. That's kind of cool. Yes, but it is also what Shazam does. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. So, All right, very except, <laughs> except they didn't have to say Shazam. There was usually just a, a neat sound effect that went katang as he bashed his wristbands together. Oh my God. Now, that Captain Marvel, um, uh, he, got, he died in the Marvel Universe in 1982. He got inoperable cancer okay. from uh, being exposed to um, what was it, toxic nerve gas when he was fighting a character called Nitro. Gracious. And it was actually a whole big thing. It was like the death of Captain Marvel. Right. Now, the second Captain Marvel was mm-hmm. Monica Rambo. Uh, yes. That's, that's the character name. That's interesting. That is. But she was actually the first female Captain Marvel. Right. Okay. And that was in... Um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Sixteen in nineteen eighty-two. Now um, she, she originally was a police lieutenant from New Orleans. Was she? She's a black woman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, eventually, she got she uh, 
let the Captain Marvel name go and became uh, Photon. And as you all know, in the film, um, uh, her pilot, her her call sign is Photon. That's cool. Because she's a pilot too in the film. Oh, Uh, I wish I could be a pilot just so I can have a cool call sign. (laughs) That's probably not the reason why she'd go into such a career, but sure. You realise that now we're going to have to come up with, because you're on Zero G, we have to have it. You can come up with your own. Let's come. Okay. It'll have to be a mixture of like that for later discussion. Sailor something or other in yeah. Harry Potter. Or yeah, some. All right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Charles. <laughs> okay. Uh, you now, know me so well. <laughs> through various other incarnations, we eventually get to Carol Danvers. Mm-hmm. Now, Carol Danvers is actually a character from uh, 1968. She was not superpowered. Okay. She was an Air Force officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually was caught in an explosion um, in 1969 in in comics. And, of course, whenever you get caught in in an explosion... It's really giving me a a miss kind of... um idea about what's ever going to happen if I'm in some kind of industrial accident. Like, oh, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get my superpowers. Or, or bitten by, <laughs> no, no, bitten by a radioactive die. whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly. Bitten by something, exploded something on you, yeah. toxic in, barrels of stuff. In, industrial accidents are actually, you know, they're no joke in real life. No. But in comic book th- hero doom, it's always uh, an origin story waiting oh, yeah. to be told. Either for villain or hero. In fact, there should be a form for that. Yeah. Incident report, hazard report, origin report. But you have to have your secret identity. You can't be putting a report in about your... No, no. You, yeah, obviously Tony Stark, you can just say, I am Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, true. It works all right. Um, yeah, actually, the slide, the, the uh, toxic waste, um, the, mm. the, the sludge, that, that was the origin of both Daredevil yep. and the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But it was the same truck and the, yeah. same, the same slime. That's right. And isn't there something else that's worked in there too? Anyway, lots of threads <laughs> to pull. <laughs> So, okay, here we have uh, um, Carol Danvers empowered and she becomes Ms. Marvel Mm. and stayed that way for quite some time. Now, there are three other Ms. Marvels as well. There are indeed. The latest one being Kamala Khan. Yes, in comic form. In comic form. Okay, so leaving all that to one side, in uh, 2012, Carol Danvers became Captain Marvel because Captain America said that Marvel would want her to take that title. Okay. And this this inspired an entire series written by the wonderful Kelly Sue DeConnick. Oh, yeah. Who, I love her. And this is a minor spoiler who gets a, a tiny, tiny blink and you'll miss it cameo. Really? In the film. Um, yeah, she's got red hair and she's walking out of a subway at the same time. Yeah, she does... She does great it's stuff. It's so tiny. Yeah. That cameo. But she, there she is. And this this film clearly has a lot of Kelly Sue DeConnick sort of... Influence. I, Kelly Sue DeConnick iconic moments. Yeah. <laughs> if I can say that. Uh, so there you go. So from, from then on, uh, Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel. So and I've given you a bit of a, an introduction. The character has appeared on screen before, but only as a cartoon character. No, no, these are important. The <laughs> uh, the Marvel animated series and uh, movies are, are quite good. Mm. The series are a lot of fun. So I've seen Captain Marvel on screen, everything from the little tiny superhero squad sort of yeah, character right. to uh, a, a much more uh, realised character in, um, you know, uh, Earth, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes and Avengers, all those sorts of yeah. spin-off but shows. This is her first foray in live action. As far as I know. Yeah. 
And she's been played by Brie Larson. None of them, Brie yes. Larson. But let's have a track here because that was quite a, a long, a long uh, sidebar exposition. No, that's good. We've got our background. We've and got our background. Uh, have a break and move into the. Well, main I'm going to give you actually a, a track from the soundtrack, not from the um, uh, the uh, diagenic music, which is appearing in the film. You know, all those yes. 1990s tracks, but uh, from the actual. Um, soundtrack of All the right. film by Pinar Toprak. Okay, so there's a lot riding on this. This is a theme for Captain Marvel. So I have a few thoughts about this, but let's play it first. Yeah, let's play it first and, and see how, what you think about it. Hey, Space Buddies. I'm Danny John Jules. I play the cat on Red Dwarf, and I gotta tell you that listening to Zero G is fashionable as wearing knee-length socks with thongs. Zero G, industrial strength sci-fi pum-pum on three triple R. A shout out there to all cats. <laughs> And Flurkins mm. lurking in the background. Exactly. Danny John Jules is in that Deaf in Paradise detective show. He's one of the oh. uh, one of the um, police officers on the tropical island. Cool. Must have finally not quite Fiji though, which is where they were always heading towards in um, Red Dwarf. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Captain Marvel there by Pinar Toprak from the soundtrack of Captain Marvel, not the uh, diagenic music that's in. Or is it diegetic? Diegetic? Oh, diegetic. Yeah, diegetic. Sorry, diegetic music. That's I didn't in want to the... correct you earlier. No, no, no. <laughs> correct away. Uh, yes, from the score. What are your thoughts on that as like a hero's riff? Look, I, I think it's um, it, it, it works mm. for Captain Marvel. Um, sometimes uh, I don't I don't subscribe to this fully that all that Marvel music is bland. Yeah. Because it's certainly not. There's stuff in the Winter Soldier, Iron Man Three, the Captain Avengers, America, First Avenger. The Avengers, the Avengers theme I think is very. Um, I can't like it's come to the time now where I can recognize that. And if someone asked me to hum it, I could. Oh God! <laughs> Four years playing Avengers Alliance. <laughs> oh yeah, burned into your brain. Burned but into my brain. I will say I think that. You know, if you think about some of the kind of lit scores and leitmotifs and kind of heroes themes that we've heard in other kinds of films and whatnot, I don't think it quite has the oomph of... It doesn't have the kick of a John Williams leitmotif. It doesn't, no. No. And sometimes for those big splash moments, I really like for the music to kind of shamelessly pull my emotions a little more. I, I've been listening to some of Pino Toprak's work. She's a, a Turkish-American composer um, for film, tele- TV and video games, which, of course, everybody cool. does now. Um, and there's uh, she's done the score for the Superman prequel series Krypton oh. and at least one Pixar animated short. You know okay. how they do those little things and a few other th- bits and pieces. And I, I think it's part of the uh, affirmative action uh, um, campaign around um, Captain Marvel in terms of, of um, recruiting women. Yeah, having females involved in yeah. a and, female-driven story. And that's Makes how sense. it should be, Yeah, really, seriously. Uh, and I think the way into this soundtrack is to think of it as a 90s score, even even though th- there are lots of 90s songs in it. Yeah, like think it's, it is understated. But, I mean, then, you know, Jurassic Park is a 90s score. There's a track on this one where... Um, uh, they, it's a car chase, mm. a Marvel movie. There has to be a car chase, <laughs> and it's very much like a ninety action sure. car chase. Yeah, you know? yeah. With that that sort of bouncy riff running in the back, the whole thing there. There was a few. Yeah, okay. No, that's. I think that's an interesting way to I, I, approach I par- it. I, I do kind of. I am with you there. I, I think 
You know, I mean, I can instantly go, you know, Iron Man is like from that Iron Man free with um, Spy Fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Like, and the moment in Avengers Infinity War when, like, Thor drops on the battlefield. Yeah. Thor. And the Avengers scene played. Like, oh, yeah. my eyes welled up. Um, and I think sometimes that for those big ticket moments, mm. you want something that really is going to go hit the high notes. But mm. I still think it's it's an accomplished score. Like it's just more understated. I think this is one of those scores I want to go back and listen to. Stand solo. Alone. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, the directors of Captain Marvel, Anna yes. Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Um, they're a dynamic American filmmaking duo. Did films like uh, Half Nelson, Sugar. It's kind of a funny story in Miss- Mississippi Grind, which I've never seen any of those, which means nothing to me. I, uh, I mean, I think their background is much more like, and I hate the term, like kind of indie films. Like Half Nelson is like an early Gosling film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kind of slow burn, smaller stories, I think. Is that a young gosling before he became a goose? Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you can tell, like, I'm just looking at some of the influences. It's, you know, it's stuff like E.T. and Stand By Me and stuff like that. So, yeah. But they, but, but, uh, and Back to the Future too, which yeah. is kind of important really in, in this context because this film is set in 1995. It is. So it, it, it it stands in between uh, Captain America, First Avenger. Yes, obviously. which of course was 1940s. early, early. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's just about four years before the other major Marvel past flak- flashback that we've had, which was the, uh, the 1999 sequence in Iron Man with Tony Stark in Iron Man 3. Remember of that? Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But this, yeah, this is very much not just a Captain Marvel origin story. And I think this isn't a spoiler of any type. Like, you should go into it understanding this. It's also a bit of a Nick Fury shield origin story. Yeah, partly. Um, In some ways. Because I know there's been a lot of other stuff on that. Because, of course, we've had two seasons, everyone forgets this, of Agent Carter. Yeah. Which is, like, before this one. But I guess it's sort of meant to have you understand a bit about why he wanted to form the Avengers and w- as we go into this kind of yeah. end game. So this so, actually does yeah. feed into the Avengers cycle as well. It obviously. does, yeah. Uh, this is what Marvel does with these. It's why it's a, a cinematic universe. They're yeah. trying to do that, pull it all together. Bring, bring her in for now, the game. that Cree element that we were talking about, uh, earlier on, yes. that features heavily in this. It does. The, I the blue-skinned alien Cree, and also the white-skinned alien Cree, and all the other colours too, because it's not just the uh, the pure blue Cree. Yeah. I mean, that's a very uh, an old stereotype: blue-blooded Cree, mm. blue-skinned, etc. Uh, but if you've been watching Agents of Shield, and I have been, um, there's an entire season of that devoted to the Cree. Right. Okay. Uh, so your deep Marvel cover agents might have brought bring that to this mix. Yeah, but well. you don't need that pre-existing at all. But no. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's all explained on screen. All right, so um, those are the uh, the two directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously because they're, sometimes I actually think, as with the Russo brothers, I think it helps if you have two people a, directing A duo, films. yeah. Yeah. Uh, now... They wrote the script, and this is all based on a whole bunch of other people's stories as well, yeah. including uh, concepts, I reckon, from, from Kelly Sue DeConnick. I'm going to say something. I feel like it, the script could have used a pass by 
a comic writer or oh. someone who maybe I just feel like there was opportunities for more comedy notes in the dialogue itself and that some of the dialogue I felt was a little lacking. Well. I was a little disappointed by that. Well, Geneva Robertson-Dwaret. Uh, God, if I accidentally like <laughs> the, the third screenwriter in okay, the mix. right. Uh, she is one of those script doctors. She came right. in to rewrite uh, the Tomb Raider reboot, oh. which I actually didn't find was too bad, actually. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not blowing minds, but I enjoyed she's, it. She's working on Gotham City Sirens as part of the DC Extended Verse, mm-hmm. and she's writing the third Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. Right. So maybe um, she's bringing an element of that kind of blockbuster edge uh but also a deal of knowledge about comic books too yeah, so. like bringing in that kind of more genre specific mm. so she's in there too all right so the plot of this movie is is actually f- to sum it up actually i'll tell you what, where we go with this the plot of this movie the important thing to know about it is that it's um carol danvers brie larson's character captain marvel finding herself yeah not finding herself in context of mentors who she might encounter or uh, other things. It's really about finding her own character in this. It's a very, very straightforward origin story in that yeah. respect, if you, if you take that as the grace note. I think it's about understanding your own power and possibility. I think that would yeah. probably be your overarching metaphor here. That, And I definitely think they've packed that within a bit of a you know, female empowerment message. Oh, paralleling that is that. Absolutely. So I think that, that, I mean, and it's not, they don't really conceal that as a metaphor either. They very much lean into this idea that it's not just about her finding herself, it's about her really, you know, her power as a woman. Mm. For lack of a less cliche term. And finding her own past. Yes, exactly. Because there's 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 flashback elements to this film. Um, which is all to the good. Now, Brie Larson, uh, and that's what we'll say. Obviously, it's got a, a big component set on Earth because they mm. see her dropping through a blockbuster video store in the 1990s. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're going to have to bring this to a point where it can fit into Avengers Endgame yes. somehow. Uh, and obviously, they do that right at the end of this film in its, um, you know, after the credits yeah, so sequences, of which there are two. You should go ahead and wait. You, <laughs> you know, know you have to, like... Yeah. <laughs> Although, usually it's Nick Fury who shows up in some of the early ones of this, so there is a Fury-related incident. <laughs> yeah, incident. He appears in, of sorts. Should I say a furry-related incident? Yeah, okay. <laughs> all, right, all, right. Um, all right, so Brie Larson, Kong Skull Island. Mm. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, yeah. She sings in that. She's a very accomplished she, singer. Yeah, and I actually didn't think to bring any singing tracks in, although we do have... We do. We do have one. But we, uh, maybe we can track some down for next week. We, you know, scatter them throughout. Do you actually have that one queued up for us? I so do. We can, well, let, we can give it a crack, see if it's going to work. All right, so we'll be using the user input. You have the chord. Yes, I'm prepped. So this is, yeah, a bit of Brie Larson singing. Do you want to give a bit of an intro yeah. to Yeah. In the United States of Tara television series, uh, opposite Tony Collette, Brie Larson played the character of Kate Gregson. Now, that was uh, Tara's yeah. troubled teenage daughter. She was much younger in, in that. Uh, and she... Got to play a character called Princess Valhalla Hawkwind, who was kind of like, um, uh, what is it, She-Ra and the oh, Masters cool. of the Universe yeah, sort of yeah. thing there. So there you go. We've got managed to find a previous super-powered incarnation of 
Brie Larson in United States of Tara. And they did a music video that she was selling on her website. <laughs> so here we go. Hi, this is Scott Bakula. Welcome aboard Zero G. There you are, the Asgardian of the galaxy. <laughs> Gosh. That princess Valhalla Hawkwind. Brie Larson from the United States of Tara. These things, they come back, don't they? And now look at her, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Yeah, so she's put on the uh, the spandex and tights before and little <laughs> riding on a, a soft toy unicorn. God. I wonder what Deadpool would think of that. Mm. <laughs> anyway, she plays, um, Brie Larson plays ex-Air US Air Force fighter pilot Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel. And I think she actually does... A marvellous job in this. Um, look, if I had to choose an actress to play Captain Marvel mm. over all the years, I would have gone for Catherine Hepburn. Oh. Ah, oh. yes, for, because of her aviatrix um, yeah. connections and stuff. But um, this is the 21st century. We go with who's available. And that's no slight on Brie Larson. Um, she really does, for me, embody the character. I think she's a good choice. Like when she was announced uh, a while, like, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. I remember thinking she was a really good choice because she'd sort of, I liked everything she'd done. I think she was also in this movie called Spectacular Now and yeah. and whatnot. And so I like her a lot. I think she does do a good job here. I think that I wish they'd given her a little more script-wise, personally. I think that... I mean, it's hard. Like she's meant to be very sassy and headstrong, but I think you only get glimpses of that in certain parts of the film. It's actually hard to play the the main hero. Yeah. I just, I mean, I think she did a good job. I just wish, like, I don't think it's as strong as some of the other, like, origins I've seen. Mm. As an origin story. She's actually the most, the strongest, strongest one there is in terms of actual strength. I know, she's pretty, yeah, it's pretty full on. I also think, I mean, and obviously this is the first, uh, Marvel's first female-led Superhero film. You know, I could be flippant and say, well, look, she's never going to be Tony Stark. <laughs> you know. I wonder he'd come out best in a fight between them. She did. I reckon she would. She too. put Tony into a coma. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm still dark on her for that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel. <laughs> anyway, um, look, the thing about, the thing about her um, uh, as an origin story, I, I agree. I think that, that it could have been slightly stronger, but I was sitting in the cinema watching my partner gail and the look on her face as she be as um carol yeah. did her signature empowerment moments yeah. and went through those she was inspired by it she has some good expressions too like i think yeah i think she she's puts she i don't know you can just tell some of her expressions she's really oh it's not it. just brie as well because uh she's played captain um uh, carol danvers is played at various ages by different Actresses, oh, yeah, young actresses. Including at the age of 13 by McKenna Grace, who we've seen a lot of in um, science fiction stuff, including as a young Sabrina Spellman. Right, <laughs> yes. So. She is like kind of a quintessential little blonde child. Yeah, she even played I, um, Tonya Harding in I, Tonya. Oh. So, yeah, you're right. She's I have, yeah, I thought that kid looked things. familiar. But she, she, when she sets her jaw, yeah. I, I just thought... A little cutie. You know, um, as a, as a bloke watching this film, I really felt for these 
uh, empowered individuals. Mm. It, 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 it gave me the chills. Yeah. You know that moment in a Marvel movie where you just get a chill running up your spine and you think, that is so, that, that thrill. I also like oh. there's a moment, and I'm not going to spoil it, but there's kind of a moment where there's like a mentor-mentee relationship and... And then it kind of gets turned on its head and, and she's just like, oh, like... Well, here's another actually. thing about the plot. It, it it speaks to the news of the moment, mm. to both to Me Too and also to um, refugees, actually, yeah. in, in an interesting way. Um, there's so many things from torn from the headlines, basically. And I think it actually plays those very well. I agree, and I think... Um some of the sort of key players in some of those themes, I think, really sell it quite mm, well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think there's there's this moment where, yeah, I don't know, she just kind of realised she doesn't have to prove anything and I thought that was really mm. quite poignant, yeah. let's say. Very to the point. And uh, quite true. And this like, passes oh. all sorts of tests because there are many scenes where two women are talking together and they're not talking about a man. It's true. Yeah. Uh, and nevertheless... Uh, it also Tessa. it also works as a buddy oh, film. That's a spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah. She uh, Brie Larson works so well with um, Samuel L. Jackson. They do have a nice rapport. Yeah, really, really, really effective. Um, and there's no there's no jumped up romantic interest in this film either. Well, there's no no no. There's, there's not. nothing. They don't parachute a, 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 an actor named Chris into it anyway. No. <laughs> But yeah, no, there's not because it's about her story, I think, and it's, yeah. and I like that. Mm. And you don't miss it, like you don't. I also thought that they did the costumes um, uh, straight down the line for the not for the old original Ms. Marvel um, Captain Mar- Ms. Marvel costumes, which were basically uh, monokinis with a sash, oh or, you know that sort of and a domi- oh, great, and yeah. a domino mask. Very easy to fight in. Totally yeah, appropriate. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely fine. Well, you know, it'd be all right if she was like in a submariner movie or something yeah. in the ocean. Yet to see that actually happen in any of these things. But um, you know, so they've really gone for that, and they haven't overemphasized uh, sexuality or anything no. like that. It's very uh, functional yeah, okay, costume. It's 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 a it's a flying costume for a flying character. Yeah basically, for an aviatrix. Higher, further, faster, more. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. Uh, so I, I like that, that aspect of it too. Um, and I just think she worked really well with, with Sam Jackson and all of the other yeah. people she had to interact with. Yeah. I always bought into the scenes where she's, where she's working with them. And, yeah. And, one, and she sold the physicality, the, the fight scenes, yeah. I thought. I agree with that. Uh, and the, the choreographers have always got an eye upon comic book panels. Yeah. In this. Like there's a moment where she, where she flies and they focus upon her boots not particularly oh, yeah. for any fetish, but because she lifts one foot up slightly, it's a very characteristic yeah, Captain right. Marvel pose. Okay. Um, so a lot of that 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 spoke to me in yeah. terms of grace. As, a, as someone who's familiar with her backstory, and uh, there's a fist bump that she does at one stage again, which is very oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, deconic, iconic. And I actually have the action figures here, which you can't see, but Megan can see. And they've they've done a really the Marvel Legend action figures have done oh, a really nice, nice. job in with her it. like space helmet version. Indeed, and just as a Tony Stark Iron Man action figure, the move the character move they must be able to do is to drop down on one knee yeah. when they land. This one actually can do the fist bump, you know. So they can. <laughs> they also come with um, Goose the cat. 
Goose. <laughs> Which, it's not named Goose in the comics, is it? Chewy. Yeah, right. Chewy is her name in the comics. Okay. Uh, after Chewbacca. Uh, but Goose is from I mean, Top Gun. Yeah, it's, all, it's an obvious uh, We're talking flying about breath. Captain Marvel's cat, Goose, in, in the film, who steals every scene that, he, he, so that good. she's in. And I'm not a cat lover, and you know I'm not a cat lover, but I was very into the cat stuff in this. Uh, um, yes, it's Captain, Captain Marvel. And I will say, uh, I They think also give her the leather jacket. Oh, she's got a, like... In the action figures. A uh, human head version. And we have a, a two-eyes Nick Fury. It's a pretty good likeness, I will say, of young Nick Fury. Yeah, not Pulp Fiction sort of era. He doesn't have that. He has the, the button-down Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, maybe an earlier Nick Fury, um, Samuel L. Jackson film. Uh, anyway, uh, toys aside, which do give away spoilers too, by the way. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, um, Ben Mendelsohn. I love him. Yes. Absolutely great in this. Dark Knight Rises, Animal Kingdom, Rogue One, Ready Player One, and here he plays Talos, a Skrull. Mm. Um, and he acts through those layers of prosthetics so well. And they It's hard to do, and he only really realised because it's done badly so often. And he has a, a character arc in this which is considerable mm. and is so well played. Yeah. I agree. I, I think he did a, a great job I there. I think he's a great choice for we, that. We passed over Sam Jackson as Nick Fury sort of in context of... But he adds a lot to his character in this film uh, and also a lot of humour. And he gets probably the most of his own screen time. He is a sidekick to Captain Marvel in this. Yeah, like in most other things he like flies in, flies out, turns up in a shed, gives mm. a speech, whereas in this he's like a solid part of mm. the story. Integral, you could say. Um, and Dare I like I- that. Dare I say he's the comic relief? Yeah, I he think is. so. And yeah, he does that he so is. well. He's so ju- so generous with that. Yeah, and I but it's still in fitting with what we know of Nick Fury as a character, even though he's a younger iteration of what we're familiar with. Well, there's I some controversy pretty... about how he likes to slice bread. Oh, really? Why <laughs> yeah. is that controversial? Oh, because he slices, done it before. he slices bread in Age of Ultron when he's at Clint Barton's farm. <gasps> and, you know, people are wondering about his What statement. an oversight. No, no, I actually think it might be just Nick Fury messing with us. Why would Nick Fury say, oh, we're getting into spoiler territory. Anyway, right? anyway. Um, we, we do see um, uh, Jamon uh, Honsu reprise his Korath the Pursuer character. He's, he's a Kree in this. Oh. Remember him from Guardians of the Galaxy number one? That's where I recognised him from. And Lashana Lynch plays Maria Rambo. Yeah. Who was the original character was the first female Captain Marvel. And Carol's best friend in this. A- and there may be an element that they, they tease out of that later on. Yeah. Which I think could go either way, and I'm happy with any outcome. Now, Lashana Lynch has also got another comic book connection. She's going to be the pivotal character of Agent 355 in Y, as in the letter Y, which is based on the oh, Y, the last, last man. man. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think I love the way that she interacts with with Carol in this with Brie Larson. Yeah, um, it feels like a solid friendship. Yeah, I quite I, I agree. I think it, this is a film that gets better as it goes on. Mm. I think the third act is where it really shines. We have Annette Benning playing the Cree Supreme Intelligence, which I thought really strange. Uh, <laughs> but she works all right with it. But she she doesn't just play that no. character. 
Um, she's also, and Clark Gregg is back as Phil Coulson. Yes. And, of course, this is something we haven't mentioned, but both Samuel L. Jackson and Clark Gregson get euphoned, digitally euphoned to yes, their 1995. So to their younger selves. Yeah, de-aged. I think that it... I mean, I think Clark Gregg, there's a few shots where I'm like, oh, yeah, you've been yeah, de-aged. But it looks a bit, oddly enough, he looks a bit Botoxy. He looks, yeah, he looks a little fake, but... Uh, but Sam Jackson, quiet. he, I Pretty never doubted Couldn't him. tell. No. <laughs> but, yeah, um, do we mention Jude Law? Of course. Jude Law is playing a character called Yonrog. Yes. Um, which is so funny because he's um, Robert Downey Jr.'s... Uh, um, Watson in the Holmes movies. Yeah, of so now we've got uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who's also a Holmes, oh, and his yeah. Watson, Martin Freeman. So we've got two sets, sets. of great detectives and sidekicks. I hadn't even thought of that. That's quite good. So they could, you know, they probably won't meet those two. but Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. not. But, but I first saw Jude Law in uh, Talented Mr. Ripley, um, seen him in Gattaca, which is one of the great science fiction movies of the 90s. Incredible. Of, I think of any time. He plays uh, a gigolo, a cyborg gigolo in um, Steven Spielberg's AI. Uh, and he's also the uh, the hero and sky captain in the world of tomorrow. I thought he was really actually quite good in that. Seen him in Contagion and uh, Hugo, Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, all those, the, the two. And what was, you the, know what was the Fantastic Beast character he played? Was, was he playing... Uh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore, <laughs> Just yeah. the greatest wizard of all time, Rob. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Young um, Dumbledore. And he actually is, is note perfect for playing the mentor role in yeah, this. Yeah, I think there's a lot. I think he actually brings some layers to this that another less accomplished actor would just have dialed it in pretty straight. Yeah. I think I think he does a pretty good job here. And kudos to Reggie, Archie, Rizzo and Gonzo, who are the four different cats who play Goose. Oh, bless them. <laughs> um, uh, well, I had something to say. I've forgotten. Sorry. Should we play a track? Yes. <laughs> now, this is uh, from the... Um uh, from the uh, the mix, I suppose we call it the mixtape for Captain Marvel soundtrack. So they're using nineteen nineties music. They play to that in the mo- movie. Only the best era. Brie Larson wears a lot of nineties bands t shirts. I am told. I wouldn't know. I still think they could have <laughs> leaned into the nineties more. As a nineties lover, it wasn't nearly as nineties as I, as much as I wanted. The blockbuster wasn't enough for you. No, the, the I r- wanted more. The right, more, more, the more. right stuff. The nah. Those are all notes. Those are all little throwouts. I wanted, I wanted it to feel like the, a soul of the nineties. The phones that were brick sized. Now, nah. the length of time it takes to do digital downloads. I just, <laughs> I felt it was all brushed on detail. I wanted a bit more essence. But anyway, uh, essence of nineties. Yeah. Okay. It's a great decade. So we're going to have uh, just a girl, um, and it's uh, by it's by no doubt, and it's from a singles collection of that, and. Uh, this comes up in a very particular moment in the film and it's spot on, you know. It's, it was like actually like listening to Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, the awesome mix, you know, and thinking these are so spot on for this. Yeah. It's What's the word for this? Um, well curated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am J. Michael Stritsky, creator of Babylon 5, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple RFM. Who are you and what do you want? <laughs> Do you want to back announce that one, Megan? Ah, uh, that was no doubt. Just a girl, quality '90s track from Captain Marvel in cinemas now. Uh, I've been on a bit of a '90s music and movies kick lately, so ah. very much enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about Captain Marvel today. This is Zero G, 
And I think consensus says you really liked it. Um, yeah, nah, maybe. Which which rating? I go for um, higher, further, faster. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think they, uh, the there are some other elements that we should just touch upon. Mm-hmm. I saw it in regular 2D and in IMAX 3D. Ah. Um, the IMAX one, as is their they want, much bigger in terms of actual extra stuff happening on the screen. Yep. Um, because it's a film that it works better in 3D IMAX because there's a tendency for the 3D process, it's, you know, post-production 3D, yeah. to um, darken things up. Yeah. Um, much clearer on the IMAX screen, much lighter, much obviously more dimensional, etc. Yeah. And because there's a lot of aviating and spacefaring in this film... Um, there's certain moments where rockets are plunging out of the sky. Yep. And I don't yep. mean raccoons. Um, <laughs> but it really works well in the IMAX 3D. Okay, cool. Um, everything is written on a cosmic scale there, which is interesting because a lot of this film, it's actually a cheaper film in terms of um, production costs yeah. than some of the other Marvel films. And But it's all there on the screen, you know, the spaceships, the yeah. pew, pew, pew. The, yeah, cool. You know, the, the flurkins, the I scrolls. There are definitely some things that would lend itself to... To seeing on the big, big screen. A couple of the fight scenes, I was, I thought, got a little bit muddy in certain dark environments, which by that I mean hard to see. But I had the same problem with Black Panther, not particularly because of the choreography but because of the way they're lit. Yeah, and I think that's the trouble is often when there's lots of zippy, like, lights as a feature of the fight um, – and also, like, oftentimes, like, it takes place in a dark environment. Yeah. Um, you just got to <laughs> kind of do your best. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think overall for me, I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. I think that the first half could have been pacier personally, I think. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Like, I saw it again, really enjoyed it the second time, maybe even slightly more the second time, I to saw be honest. Twice. Yeah. Okay. Um, and but if I think about it in terms of the canon of the Marvel scene, Marvel scenes, Marvel films that I've seen, I don't think it's one of the strongest entries. But that's not to say by any means that it's not a good film or an enjoyable film. I just think it's not as strong as something like um, like Thor Ragnarok or even as an origin Spider Man Homecoming. I think um, there's a you know the the, the lower standard um, Marvel film I think is like Thor Dark World, Oof. which. Um, isn't Nevertheless, it? even has that one. It does have that wonderful buddy buddy thing between Thor and Loki, which yeah. is you, you go and see that just for that. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's so, there's so many of them, and, and it feels wrong to kind of rank them or be like it's better than this and worse than that. Yeah. But you can't kind of help thinking about where it falls within your natural kind of. Look, the best origin story clearly is Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Caps is pretty good too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think that for what it's doing as sort of a bridge between the two Avengers movie and also introducing this new female superhero character, mm-hmm. I think it does the job. Yeah. I think it, it does that job nicely. And I am keen to see more of her in in Avengers. And I'm hoping that maybe she'll, you know, be able to be a little more... My theory now is... Now she's come into herself. My theory is that um, you can measure the, a character's success as a character by the characters around them. Yeah, sure. Uh, often by measuring them against the villains, which means your villains have to be really good too. Yeah. But in this case, uh, I actually think she works really well with Nick Fury yep. uh, and with all of the other characters. And I think that once you put um, 
people like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. and Chris Evans next to her again. I think that'll 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 pull the performance out of the character, not yeah. out of the actress. No, the I actress agree. is fine. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that I delighted in, you know, there was this all this nonsense from um, misogynistic uh, oh, yeah. incel trolls beforehand. Yeah, yeah. She should smile more. <gasps> They actually God, put that in the film. Disgusting. They made a really good joke about that. Yeah, yeah. But the, 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 the hilarious thing is that Brie Larson has a wonderful smile anyway. Yeah. But it's a, a knowing butt-kicking superhero smile. Yeah. She does it's that. It's Yeah, it's, it's wry. And you look at it and go, oh, someone's in trouble. <laughs> I, one of my favourite bits is in one of the first episodes of The Good Place where they're talking about the people that go to the bad place and they throw up this thing and one of them is men who ask... <laughs> women to give them a pretty smile or something like that. No, oh, yes, 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 yes. Don't ever say that. No Don't one say that? say that ever. Okay. <laughs> Certainly not to Captain Marvel anyway. No. Um, yeah, I think that, I, I think that uh, this is, I, I think this is up there with the, um, other origin stories, but I don't think it's quite as strong. But then again, there's that whole empowerment thing that the others really don't have. Yeah. And I, I do like that, but I also think that, on merit, like I want to consider this as a film like, yeah, based on its own merit. Mm. And even though, you know, I think some of those themes are important and it's good to have these stories out there and, you know, God, it took, what, 18, 19 films before we get one that's led by a female. Over 20, actually. Like, yeah. ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I personally, I don't think I'm going to, I'm not going to like the film more just because it's about a woman. I think that's against the point. Um, that is your prerogative. Yeah, so. You know. Uh, Not I, that I'm dissing on Captain Marvel, no. but I, I, I'm <laughs> quite comfortably say I think it fits mid-range for me. If you can punch up with anyone, it's Captain Marvel because she basically flies above us all. I know. Her power's <laughs> pretty insane. It is insane. But let's not dig in too much into those. No. And it, it, it does make me wonder how she's going to get on against Thanos. Mm. And there's aspects of well, her... How they all are. There's aspects of her power in the comic books that could come in very handy in uh, fighting Thanos. She has... um. Mm. An energy absorbing ability in the comic books. That's it's pretty we impressive. We haven't so. really seen that yet. Yeah, I thought her powers are very real, well realized, and it's not just the flying, um, but the uh, the the energy. They look. Blasts it that she it can looks do. good. Like I think those effects. They did a nice job on those. Now to go out today. Yes. Um, God, the hours whipped by. Hasn't it, it has. Um, Mr. Bowie in 1995 was um, touring with Nine Inch Nails. <gasps> He wasn't. He was in support of his album um, Outside. So <laughs> Nine Inch Nails are actually, it's on the T-shirt that she's um, Captain Marvel. There you go. See, film. you know stuff about And he's actually had a music. long influence on Marvel Comics. Um, Rick Jones, who we mentioned earlier on, once sang Changes, dedicating it to Bruce Banner. Venom has sung Bowie songs. <laughs> Spider-Man fun. and Nick Fury once listened to Starman together. Um uh, David Bowie inspired the character Nova, who was one of the Captain Marvels. Cool. Uh, and I'm holding up a comic book here, which is a Captain Marvel Kelly Sue oh, DeConnick issue. I mean, there is a very Bowie-inspired uh, yes. cover. Yes, Carol Danvers there. with the star, the Ziggy Stardust flash on her face. And in fact, that actually is about uh, Captain Marvel touring the galaxy with a rock star, basically. So, you know, so much there to unpack, and we don't need to do it today on Zero G because we can play the Bowie and the song will say it all for itself. And this will be uh, Hello, Hello Space Boy, mm-hmm. 
um, Mr. David Bowie from his outside. And coming up next will be Joe Brunetic with Astral Glamour. And I, I didn't want to leave the show without saying uh, one thing. Uh, obviously, um, we're all broken up by the events in New Zealand, and I know there are very many science fiction and fantasy fans in New Zealand as well who will be impacted by this. So uh, for everybody else, you know, our we you know, sincere con- condolences. And I would like to say that the cowardly evil murderers at the Christchurch mosques remind me that the the world is hardly ever in any danger from political correctness gone mad, but that it is very much political incorrectness that starts out mad and lethally escalates from there. And that's it for Zero G today, and we'll go out with Mr David Bowie from Outside. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.